Hello. Today, I'm back at it discussing automation and the impact on people. Now, there are many sides to the automation debate, and as with any new form of work, there will always be disruption. The Pew Research Center conducted a study, and their intent was to get views from people on job automation and AI. And the responses they received were quite mixed, really depending on geography. Overall, though, 48% of the respondents had a positive outlook or view on job automation and AI, while the other 42% had a negative <laughs> outlook on job automation and AI. However, there are some that see automation as highly positive and a vital part and component of work. So to help unpack this further, I'm joined by Aaron Tran, founder and CEO of Workflow86. Now, Workflow 86 is an all-in-one, no-code platform for automating business processes and workflows. And Aaron and I will chat about automation and people, collaborating to tackle cybersecurity, and much more. So, stay tuned. Well, hey, Aaron. It's uh, nice to be chatting with you today, uh, and we'll have to keep our names straight considering I'm in here also. <laughs> but thank you for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you and learning more a bit about yourself and Workflow 86. And uh, so thank you so much for joining me today. No worries. It's great chatting to you uh, as well, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, to kind of kick things off, um, I was wondering if you could just give us a brief introduction and... Uh, Kind of give us the, the story of Workflow 86, if you will. Kind of how did it get started and uh, and uh, kind of what's its purpose, if you will, kind of that niche yeah. it's filling. Yeah, so Workflow 86 is an all-in-one workflow automation platform. Uh, okay. Our basic idea is that you can automate workflows with minimal external dependencies. So the idea being that you do more of your workflow automation tasks in one platform Okay. Um, and in that sense, that's some sort of that kind of explains, you know, why we sometimes call ourselves the anti-Zapier. Um, okay. Because with Zapier, you know, workflow automation is all about integrating, you know, lots of different apps together. And we mm -hmm. kind of take the, the opposite approach where we're sort of focusing more on uh, connecting more of those tasks and apps uh, built internally into our own platform uh, while still allowing the users to connect externally when they need to. But the idea okay. being that by, you know, this, this particular approach to workflow automation allows you to build more complex workflows, allows you to build more reliable workflows as well. And there's a whole okay. bunch of other sort of technical benefits that come with sort of this particular approach. So in other words, it's um, there's a sense of more reliability uh, that you're seeing by having this all-in-one approach that you're mentioning. It's, it's for Because uh, again, you have to have that reliability if people have... Um, a lot of their workloads going through here and, and relying on them from day-to-day -day processes for critical uh, tasks that they're trying to execute or automate <laughs> in this yeah. sense. And uh, by having that reliability, I think it helps, you know, relieve some of the angst if, uh, if you think about it from the sense that, oh, where, where is their issue? Like if something, you know, breaks and they try to do break fix that it's yeah. easier to kind of troubleshoot by having that sort of all-in-one location to yeah. go to. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's sort of one of the pain points I get that you you know anyone who's used sort of these integration-focused tools that come across mm -hmm. is when something breaks, sort of who do you ask to fix it? You know, do you ask mm -hmm. Tapia or do you ask, you know, the integration? 
where has it actually broken in the workflow as well? Mm-hmm. So that, that's sort of one of the things that sort of led up to sort of why we went down this particular path for uh, doing workflow automation this particular way. Okay. So <laughs> I was obviously uh, getting prepared for this uh, discussion and I noticed, it, I guess it's a little small joke on your guys' side about how you came up with the name, but uh, yeah. I noticed a little <laughs> thing at the bottom that said there was yeah. eight letters in automate, six letters in no code. And then also no one had taken the workflow 86 domain. So yeah, because <laughs> I, I was going to ask how you yeah. came up with the name, but uh. yeah, the, the funny thing is like early on, we tried like every single flow name we could think of, like, you know, pro oh. flow and get flow and this flow. You're right. Two problems. One, either the, the domains were taken or mm-hmm. two, the business names were already registered. And the funny thing is, the, the business is registering all the flow names. We're actually uh-huh. plumbing companies, right? So, oh. <laughs> which you yeah, okay, that makes I, sense. That makes I sense. get it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to make sure that water's flowing okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. That that's that's funny. Uh, I think uh, there's some discussion around. I, I think I'd heard the similar thing on uh, Microsoft's uh, Flow tool, which they mm. you know they call Power Automate now, but you know it was Microsoft Flow and. I think they ran into the same same sort of issues around yeah. uh, the thinking of plumbing. Uh, so, yeah, because some people are thinking, was it going to be PowerFlow to work with their power platform? So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, but that's that's great that you finally landed on something that works. So that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Hey, uh, you mentioned um, that connectivity to other services. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have to connect to those services because they have uh, either, you know, an ERP or a CRM type of application that's in the cloud or other cloud apps that store data, things like that. So help me understand a little bit how that differentiates from like, like you mentioned the the Zapier uh, as far as bringing everything all in one. I think I'm still kind of uh, trying to understand the concept. This is just the connectivity and then, you do all of the logic steps within workflow 86. Is that yeah, how I'm understanding yeah. it? Yeah. So, I mean, the, I guess the other context behind the genesis of workflow 86 was that we were trying to automate some pretty complex workflows. So things around, you know, risk assessment, risk analysis, um, okay. cybersecurity, et cetera. And mm-hmm. the real trouble we had with trying to automate those workflows using, you know, tools like Zapier and Integramat was again, uh, with those tools, the business logic is very complex. And mm-hmm. what happened when you were doing an integrations focus, you know, an integrations first approach was that business logic tends to get split across different apps. And that made it really difficult to manage ah, that business logic. Okay. The idea behind Workflow 86 is that you can put more of the business logic into one platform using things like, you know, we've got built-in forms, we've got a built-in database, we've got built-in, you know, components that handle your conditional logic, your if this, then that statements, Mm-hmm. got built-in components that do the document generation that store, you know, the, um, the content that you might use in generating sort of particular okay. recommendations, et cetera. So, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the idea that, you know, by uh, the, the core reason behind having more of these apps in house in one platform is that you can consolidate a lot more of that complex business logic in mm-hmm. one place rather than having it split across sort of three, four different platforms. Well, it kind of touches on what we did. We I uh, alluded to before is if there's something that gets broken or some issue, you're like, where do I go troubleshoot it? And I th- yeah. And an- another point I noticed on your site, I think you even had like a uh, was it a calculator 
as well for, I guess, uh, numerical calculations, things like that, as far as uh, one of the features out there. And I saw a great set of features as far as, you know, working with dates and numbers and, uh, like you said, conditional workflows and so forth and got that API connectivity. One thing I wanted to ask about that kind of listed here is the machine learning and uh, natural language processing. So how much AI is leveraged in here? Yeah, so the AI is kind of the the sort of the next frontier of a lot of the built-in tooling Mm -hmm. that we're looking at. So again, one advantage of having, you know, more in one place is that you're aggregating the data, you know, that is inside your workflow. And in turn, you actually Mm -hmm. can manipulate that and actually take advantage of that. So okay. the automated machine learning, again, that's something that we're sort of developing um, as a way in which, because all more of your workflow is in one place, you get the data mm-hmm. in one place. And in turn, you can apply more advanced techniques on top of it. I think that sort of speaks to another point, I guess, that we found one issue that we found when we were working with existing no-code tools, which was that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working with Zapier or um, the other sort of integrations first uh, tools, your data gets sort of scattered across all these different platforms as well. So each one of the you know SaaS apps that you have in your workflow, they'll have their own particular version of the data. And you know, there's right. no way of actually you know centralizing it all in one place, managing it all in one place as well. So that's okay. the that's the um, I guess the overlap between having it all in one and being able to offer sort of more of these advanced um, machine learning AI tools. That we're okay. Well, that makes sense. It, it- Again, I, I like the approach of the all-in-one concept uh, to where it's like you're, cons- like I said, consolidating everything. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift gears a bit and take a step up to a couple topics. Um, uh, and I'm sure you've had to talk with a lot of people as far as finding that right niche where the company's going to position itself and then also what, what tool set and how it's going to work and kind of fill that gap, if you will. Uh, and uh, some of the challenges that, that uh, a lot of companies were facing. Um, but to kind of stay, take a step up around those challenges and those gaps, um, a lot of times there's, uh, if you think about it, uh, companies really need to have that sort of harmony between the different areas of the business. And what I mean by that is um, got to have your operations uh, needs to, to collaborate with the tech group, needs to collaborate with finance and then other lines of business that are throughout the organization. And uh, a lot lately I've noticed is that uh, obviously tech is kind of the given because <laughs> we're talking <laughs> technical platform. But uh, um, a lot of times, you know, finance seems to be sort of shifted to the side, if you will, because, oh, they have their own sort of ERP or some financial tool, but yet they have a lot of need for, for uh, automating a lot of things, you know, talking about invoices or um, uh, meeting some sort of compliance or regulatory need uh, that they come across. So, uh, you know, sometimes that's sort of separate thinking a lot of, uh, for folks, you know, outside of operations and tech are like, oh, they're, they should be in sync, but and the reason I'm going this route is that the CFO's role has really transformed. If you think about it over the past several years from more, uh, you know, less historical looking and more forward forecasting looking and having tools like this that can consolidate, bring things together, ease that workload of 
what's going on between my ERP and maybe I have data stored in other places can help fill that gap and that challenge that's going on. How are you seeing uh, roles and um, areas of the business, you know, gaining from leveraging a workflow tool like this to meet those gaps and challenges across these different areas of the business? Yeah, I think the really interesting thing is that, and again, this is sort of also part of the background of why we built Workflow 86. So mm-hmm. just to give some context, prior to sort of starting Workflow 86, I worked in management consulting. So okay, know, dropped into large organizations, governments, and you know, mm-hmm. you kind of get a, a view behind the curtain of how a lot of these large companies operate in terms of their processes. And mm-hmm. you know, it's you know, one of the really sort of interesting things is you know, how many large companies are still running out of sort of very archaic systems. Spreadsheets mm-hmm. are still incredibly dominant, you know, across mm-hmm. all teams. Um, but I guess the, probably the big insight is that a lot of teams know what kind of tools they need to, in order to scale their operations. So like you said, with mm-hmm. finance, you know, they have the expertise in terms of a particular financial process or particular financial workflow. And they know that, you know, if we could automate that, that would be amazing. The problem mm-hmm. is they just can't, right? And again, because they can't code. So there's this sort of disconnect right. between having expertise in a particular operational area and mm-hmm. feeling that pain point and problem of not being able to scale those processes, but not having the exact tool that you need, that you know you need in order to solve that problem. So I guess that's a sort of a really big part of um, why we also built out Workflow 86. And it's that basic idea of, you know, putting the tools to actually solve a problem into the hands of people who, you know, feel that pain point every day. Yeah. So continue on that point of that, like you mentioned, the finance and, and the CFO really, because like I said, that role of CFO has really shifted. So now they're looking at tools like this to really take advantage of streamlining those processes within finance. Mm-hmm. Cause they have a lot of, uh, think about it, a lot of compliance, a lot of regulatory um, components from a, not only a financial perspective, but if they're in specific industries, they've got to yeah. meet those com- compliance and regulatory uh, challenges. And I'll, I like how you brought up that gap there between people that have that business knowledge, you know, of, yeah. I know how these processes should work. And, you know, like you said, you're operating out of spreadsheets or you're doing so a lot of manual steps, but then we don't know how to code. So there's yeah. that disconnect between the tech and like in our example here, the finance side yeah. and knowing the challenge of what I'm trying to do in the middle. <laughs> and a lot of times I've seen where a lot of people can think of tech as like the blocker of trying yeah. to get something done quickly. So that's where these no code solutions really can help empower the, the business user uh, in their case. And I think if you're, we're elevating the discussion that CFO is like, okay, for my financial needs, I can see us being able to be more strategic in our focus, strategic in what we do, because we've got this tool now to ease some of those pains and our gaps of processes that are scattered everywhere <laughs> and centralize it and make sense of it uh, and move that forward. Because otherwise, you know, they're going to be, like you said, archaic in their systems or archaic in how they approach something even because they feel like oh, I'm stuck with this. Uh, yeah. And I, like you said, I don't know what tool can I use to meet that yeah. gap. Yeah. So 
I, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on on that or is there any um, companies you worked with where you've, like you said, kind of got that background? Is there any companies you work with or you could highlight maybe no, no names, but customers that have you've really helped with uh, overcoming some of these challenges? Yeah, so one of our customers, we've got a, a couple of, uh, one that's sort of recently come in is an industry body. And so basically the workflow that they have to do is they have to generate hundreds of custom contracts um, as mm. part of uh, a particular sort of process where they're giving out funding to, you know, various organizations. Okay. And again, to sort of, you know, manage that process manually would be, I would say, pretty much impossible for the particular team that we're working with because it's a mm-hmm. team of about, you know, four people. Um, and okay. to try and customize sort of, you know, 500 contracts or so oh, would be wow. very, very yeah. difficult. Or even with, you know, the existing tooling that they might have. Um, so even if you're talking about, you know, just copying and pasting across 500, that's, I don't think that's a task that anyone really wants, no, no. really wants to do. So what we've done is we've created a workflow where essentially they upload a spreadsheet of all the contracts they want to generate and all the sort of fields they want to fill out. And then mm-hmm. we basically loop through that spreadsheet and generate sort of a custom form that gets sent out to every single person who wants to fill out the contract. Um, that okay. person fills out the remaining details and then it goes back to us. We auto-generate the contract, goes out to both parties to auto-fill. And so essentially, mm-hmm. as soon as they upload that spreadsheet, the entire process is automated, orchestrated, tracked. And you, you sort of brought up that, uh, you know, that point about compliance requirements. I think that mm-hmm. the other benefit you get you know, from uh, workflow automation is the tracking, right? The, you know, every mm-hmm. step is tracked, you know, when sort of the process has been started. Um, and that's, I guess, you know, one, also one of the inherent issues of, uh, you know, a lot of processes in existing companies is when, you know, when you're using spreadsheets or you're using sort of very manual steps, that isn't tracked. You know, there's no mm-hmm. audit trail of, you know, when, you know, Bob from accounting sent this and when he yep. changed this to the Excel spreadsheet, et cetera. Um, I think the other benefit you get once you actually start putting these processes into, you know, uh, an actual automated workflow is that process is now embedded into a system. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an actual functioning piece of software. And the other interesting insight, I guess, that you get from working in consulting is how many, so how like, how so much critical mission, critical workflows and operational knowledge is still mm-hmm. stored inside of people's heads. So you'll have someone yeah. in the team and they know, you know, okay, this is the right way to do this particular right. process in our company, but they haven't documented it anywhere. They haven't mm-hmm. written down these are the steps you take. That person leaves to go for another role and then it's just absolute chaos, right? Like mm-hmm. no one's documented yeah. the process. Well, I've, I've, I've referred to that as tribal knowledge. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, you have that knowledge that's yeah. been like handed down from person to person, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, from the prior person or from somebody else, like a coworker. And as you're growing, you add in some, some other person in there and like, okay, let me tell you how we do the process. You know, like yeah. you said, it's not documented anywhere. Let me just tell you. And yeah. well, again, it goes back to those challenges we talked about as far as it's not documented. It's not standardized. If you think yeah. about it, this creates a challenge back to our, uh, the example you mentioned of the the contracts, you know, my goodness, yeah. if you had to use that tribal knowledge with the manual steps of, well, if it's this kind of contract, well, you need to do this, that, and the other, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no logic behind it. And then that creates a headache for the finance team. And, and then the CFO is like, wait a minute, I thought we could 
you know, streamline what's going on and by standardizing, like you said, with simple upload, I'm sure it's like a template of some sort. They can just upload the information and uh, the workflow kicks off with a lot of the logic that's built into it. So, yeah, yeah. And I I think you sort of hit on that point around transparency as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you turn, when you map out, you know, when you build an automated workflow, it -hmm. becomes very easy for you to go, okay, the legal department has built this workflow and you mm-hmm. can show it to the CFO and they can go, okay, I understand these are the steps we take. And this is probably the step where, you know, it becomes relevant to us. Mm-hmm. Or, and, you know, you can even potentially assign a particular step, you know, to the finance department, for example. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is like you said, you know, that tribal knowledge, right. It's writing it down, basically capturing it into a workflow. Right. Um, but then also having that troubled knowledge, being able to execute itself in a sense, um, because mm-hmm. again, it is a, it is a functioning piece of software. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a recent example. I mean, we've, we've also worked mm-hmm. with companies um, to sort of automate a lot of the internal business operations tools. So mm. some com- another example is another company, they run um, an affiliation program. So you sign up to the affiliation program, there's steps okay. where you know, they've got to review the application, decide, you know, does it breach our terms of service? Does it not? So there's steps where you've got to escalate it to different people, track it along the way, keep okay. the person applied in the loop, et cetera. So again, those kinds of processes, um, if they're done manually, it's very easy for that to get lost along the way for, you know, certain mm-hmm. things to um, not adhere to the proper processes uh, or procedures. So mm. yeah, that that's... <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I know we've kind of hammered on this these challenges, but I think a lot of people are, are I'm sorry, this point of challenges but uh, and the gaps, but I, a lot of people still struggle with that. If, uh, yep. It's the word I've been using a lot lately is the word practical. Mm-hmm. They see these tools of either automation or AI or things like that, and then they're saying, what's the practical use case for something like that? How can I mm-hmm. use it in my business or my team or what have you? And so hearing these stories that you've laid out is, I think, great examples of those practical use cases of, you know, manually doing something and then consolidating that to automate it. Um, so I think that it, it kind of segues a bit into the next uh, piece I'd love to, to touch on in a couple areas. One is uh, I saw a great post on your site around the four reasons why automation won't replace you because yeah. that's a lot of fear of people of, well, hey, bots are going to take my job or this automation's going to, you know, put me out of work or what have you. But in, in fact, that's not the case. It's really allowing people to elevate their work, uh, look at more strategic or critical work instead of those mundane, uh, you know, tasks, like you said, instead of copy and pasting stuff from contracts, uh, you know, now they can uh, hone in on if there's exceptions to those contracts or if there's issues with the, uh, compliance with that company with, like you said, terms of service and things of that nature. So I, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, that, those are just a couple of my thoughts on the automation won't replace you. What, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that comes a lot from what we've seen sort of being most popular amongst our users is, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their processes, are leveraging components where we actually allow the user to, you know, step into the workflow and make a decision. So mm. it's sort of like, I guess, what's generally termed human in the loop. And a mm. lot of okay. the really sort of, you know, mission critical, or you know, really important workflows cannot be entirely automated because the decision-making is potentially too complex. 
or mm-hmm. someone like a human being actually has to step in and make that decision. So, mm-hmm. you know, it might be that, for example, you know, to go back to the CFO, like this, you know, there might be a process where only the CFO can make that decision. You cannot automate away that decision. They need mm-hmm. to go, do I approve or I disapprove? Do I, you know, approve or reject? Mm-hmm. Or you know, what, what's, uh, what's the human input into this particular process? And I guess um, the automation really kicks in to help uh, streamline or automate the parts that can be automated. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, again, what we've found is that when you're looking at really sort of complex workflows, really sort of high value mission critical stuff, which is really our focus, um, humans always inevitably have some kind of role to play in that. So mm-hmm. it's really about, like you said, uh, you know, removing the mundane work, removing the sort of repetitive work that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the other place where automation also plays a really sort of uh, um, powerful role is around tasks where, you know, trying to scale it out is very difficult. So mm, right. uh, basic things like, you know, doing tons and tons of calculations in order to crunch through to a particular decision. Um, mm. It's a lot better to handle that in an automated way. But then again, on the flip side, there are, you know, decisions with ambiguity, decisions with, you know, elements of uncertainty, decisions that just require a human to step in and actually make that choice. So I think that that's why automation really, you know, the whole idea that it will just replace everything, mm-hmm. I think is, is definitely, you know, nothing on the near horizon. I guess. Yeah. You, you touched on something that just kind of sparked a, a thought is that I, I mentioned a while ago of, of CFOs having to be more strategic, forward-looking. Is there a case where they can leverage automation, kind of see like a, a scenario base? Like if I were to do this, that, and the other, what would be the outcomes? Not actually execute yeah. it, but kind of see what would happen uh, yeah. if we were to do this to say, hmm, strategically, if we were to put these things in place, what would be those outcome benefits, in other words, and then come back and say, okay, let's standardize that with the actual automation. Have you seen some of that or had that come up? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess we've seen one like, interesting example that not in the finance space but actually in the cybersecurity space so what people oh, do okay. is actually they'll build out a scenario on our platform mm-hmm. and then run it and that scenario uh, it's controlled by very you know the, the workflow for example might start off with entering in certain variables okay and you run the workflow and the results of the workflow will be you know the outcome of that particular scenario and mm-hmm. then you'll fiddle around with the variables you know at the start and then run it again and you get a different scenario so mm. I guess that we have seen people use it basically, I guess, almost like as a modeling tool. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that sort of what you mean or is it? Sort of- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It got, kind of goes back to that whole, if then um, uh, statement you mentioned, you know, if, if we do this, that, and the other, what's the outcome? Yeah. Cause I'm, you know, a lot of times when you infuse AI with things, uh, a lot of times the AI can uh, layered with machine learning can say, Oh, Hey, here's some potential options or scenarios where you could best benefit by doing this, that, and the other. So, yeah, I was just trying to think of it that way. And then shifting gears a bit, you touched on another word I, I had on my list here was cybersecurity, yeah. uh, because that's huge. Uh, I, I noticed you guys had partnered with, uh, is it SciRise? Is I pronounce that yeah. right? Uh, yeah. To help with a lot of that cybersecurity issues. So, uh, what's going on on that front there with the how you tackle cybersecurity? Yeah, so SciRise is, is an Australian-based accelerator that um, we went through. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, uh, 
a lot of our early workflows were actually sort of looking at cybersecurity workflows because that's sort of one area where you see a lot of under-resourcing. You see sort of mm. a concentration of expertise, but people without the, you know, the, the capacity to actually build up the tools they might need to actually automate some processes. Okay. And then I guess on the flip side as well, you have this sort of uh, massive gap between those who have cybersecurity expertise and resources and tools Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the hundreds of thousands of small, you know, SMBs, small, medium-sized businesses who have no cybersecurity tools at all. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we really sort of, what really interests us about cybersecurity is, again, that basic proposition of, you know, how do you take this expertise around what's the proper way to do things and then allow people to scale that out beyond, you know, the, beyond the constraints they might have around sort of the, their current resources, mm -hmm. essentially. So, some cybersecurity things we've seen people build out in Workflow 86 include things like uh, response playbooks. So, you know, for data breaches or phishing or, you know, okay. it's yeah. a workflow that, okay, when you have a data breach or when you have a phishing attack, you start the workflow and it guides you through every single thing that you need to do. It notifies the right people make sure that uh, the proper okay. process is followed basically. So, yeah. okay. So it's like a, uh, a protocol is to follow, if you will, if certain types of, like you said, phishing or maybe a ransomware type of attack. We've seen a yeah. lot of these lately in the news, mm. uh, the ransomwares and the phishing going on. So having that, talked about that tribal knowledge processes, yeah, taking yeah. that and streamlining into a, work, a workflow as far as protocols or steps to take mm. uh, to help either review something, check it, to, and then fix it uh, because maybe that's the reason you got it in the first place or phishing was because you're, you didn't harden or strengthen some of your uh, filtration on yep. your email, uh, you know, uh, uh, system, whatever you're using, and then harden that and strengthen it with different rules or, or uh, things in, in place there. So, yeah, that's that's interesting take on, on some of that from his cybersecurity is kind of automating the, uh, the steps and protocols to kind of remediate or fix things. So you're prepared for next, you know, if something else should happen again. Unfortunately, yeah. hopefully it won't, but yeah. Uh, yeah, try to mitigate that. Well, hey, uh, we're uh, kind of coming up against time here. And I was wondering if there's any uh, couple tips or takeaways that you could maybe leave our listeners regarding, if you think about their automation journey, we've touched on a lot of things as far as, you know, gaps or challenges. Um, we touched on cybersecurity and some scenarios with different roles, but are there other uh, tips or things that people should really think about when they're either starting or in the middle of their automation journey? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we've found is that, you know, the, one of the challenges that we've had is how mm -hmm. do you actually motivate people to move away from processes which they already know, they know is inefficient. They know that, you know, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous that we spend every Thursday copying and pasting values into this giant Excel spreadsheet Right. Um, that we, you know, for example, that you know, we don't have a database that we, you know, we're managing right. everything out of a giant spreadsheet, for example. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with being very clear on, you know, the, the case around automation and the benefits that it has. Cause I think all automation okay. takes some kind of investment, whether it's investment in time or whether it's mm -hmm. investment in, you know, the, the monetary cost, I guess, behind it. So, mm -hmm. you know, being very clear yeah. of uh, the, the benefit that automation brings uh, helps people sort of break out of that 
that malaise of let's just keep doing it the way we're doing it. Um, even oh, though yeah. it's absolutely crazy, right? Like that's, I think that's definitely like workflows are very hard to, to change um, and trying to make it as easy as possible to, you know, change those workflows, automate it, scale it up is um, definitely one of the things I guess that, you know, to be clear about before you sort of go on that automation journey. It, you touched on something there. I think it's just that comfort level people have of I'm used to doing something Absolutely. this way. I've got this routine. I always do this, that, yeah. and the other. I know some of the little exceptions to catch, uh, catch, you know. But at the mm. same time, you touched on a great word uh, throughout some of our conversation is scaling. Yeah. If the company's expect wanting to grow, uh, maybe they want to hire more people or hit new lines of business or launch a new product or service. How can we scale if we're doing these same manual tasks over and over? And these people know them very well. I could probably do them pretty quick. But if we want to scale, we've got to be able to do this quicker and faster and catch other things. Cybersecurity in mind, for example. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. that's a great message that you're yeah. you're mentioning there. Uh, any last tip before we before we end uh, today's discussion? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think there's, there's, there's never been a better time to start automation. I mean, there's so many tools out there, um, mm -hmm. tools that sort of, um, and I guess one of the challenges is actually understanding what kind of tool you need. So, you know, whether it's RPA okay. or whether it's a low-code tool, whether it's a no-code tool, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, some other sort of automation tool out there. Um, I think understanding, again, like, you know, the, the automation journey is a lot easier when you sort of pinpoint the problem. And then you can sort mm. of understand mm -hmm. what's the best tool. So, you know, coming back to the original points of how we're different from existing tools like Zapier, I, I would say that, you know, if you're looking for a tool that simply connects one app with another, yeah, Zapier is a fantastic tool for that. Right. Um, if you're looking to automate sort of a manual process, which you do on a desktop, then you're looking at RPA. If you're mm -hmm. looking to, you know, give your uh, existing developers uh, a lot more, flexibility a lot, you know, being able to develop our internal tools a lot faster, you're probably looking at a low code tool. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're sort of uh, a business operations team or, you know, internal team, you don't know how to code, you know, you're running out of spreadsheets, then looking at a no code tool or workflow automation tool, I think is, is sort of what you need basically. So mm -hmm. just, you know, it's never been a better time to sort of start the automation journey. It's never also been sort of a, it's probably the most confusing time as well because again, <laughs> of these tools. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. So but it is, it, I think like, you know, automation is, is definitely sort of, um, like you said, the uh, something that all businesses have to confront at some stage as they mm -hmm. get to the point where, you know, manual steps, manual tasks just no longer scale. And you're kind of forced into actually thinking mm -hmm. about how do we actually start automating. No, those are some great tips of what to consider and uh, as they're going through their automation journey. And uh, like you said, the right time is now to start, you know, yeah. uh, there's a phrase that we've been using a lot is uh, compete faster, concede faster. Yeah. And if people are looking to scale and be, stay competitive with their organization, they've got to be able to do that quickly and be able to scale with it uh, and be able to pivot quickly if needed, depending on, you know, changes in their industry, uh, for example, of what's going on. So, well, Aaron, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and thank you so much for joining me today covered a lot of ground, but a lot of good information for a lot of folks to consider as they're part of their automation journey, like we've touched on. But uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for your time as well.